This is CFAC, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, broadcasting from the Basement System Studio in downtown Calgary, a Rogers sports and media radio station. Brought to you by Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, the local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. For all things basementy, visit dlbasementsystemscalgary.com. This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Hockey Central. Haley Salvian here with you for the next hour. Calgary Flames lose to the Vancouver Canucks last night, 4-3 in a shootout. Flames are now winless in four. They have the one goal regulation loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets a couple days ago, and then they've got the three OT slash shootout losses. So winless in four. Uh, we're going to bring Logan Gordon in. He is back with us today, producer slash friend Logan Gordon. Because uh, we've got a busy show today, but I wanted to bring you in because it's always nice when you're here. I don't have to talk to myself. And, I mean, obviously, and our guests too, but talk to myself for 10 minutes. I always miss you when you're gone. Oh, you're the best. <laughs> I heard I was slacking yesterday. That's what I got told. Producer yeah, is that what I said? Him. Yeah, I think something like mm, that. That's okay. Sorry. I prefer the that's term okay. loafing, but that's okay. He was loafing around <laughs> just, you know, working the pregame and intermissions and postgame yeah. and two-hour radio show before this one comes on. You yeah. Know, that kind of thing. Yeah, loafing around. Uh, what's up today? <laughs> How are you? Good, good. I've been watching uh, White Lotus, so I know I'm behind because everyone was talking about the finale and I've been, like, dodging spoilers. So I was watching that. That's all I've been doing. And no, watching yeah, sports, no World Cup today but... for you to watch. You got to wait. no. No, no, no mad dash to log in to the radio show uh, post France game. No, but <laughs> no. I've already said I'm going to be pretty insufferable on uh, on Thursday. No, Thursday. It, today's Thursday. Today's Thursday. You're going to be insufferable <laughs> today? No, Heads up. Yeah, today, today depends on how people feel about me. I'm sure there's many <laughs> listeners right now being like, yeah, you're insufferable every day. What else is new? Don't, don't be like that. And it's all right. But uh, I'm gonna. We're gonna get into uh, some of the game from last night. First, we'll just tee up Kelly Rudy, hockey analyst on Sportsnet, also on the Flames broadcast, of course, with Brick Ball. You would have heard him last night. Uh, he's gonna be on the show in about five to ten minutes. We'll talk to Kelly about the game, his Flames takeaways. Because guess what? We are at the thirty game mark already of the season. Flames are through game number thirty. What do we think about the Calgary Flames? What is this team? Do we know yet? We'll talk to Kelly a little bit about that. Uh, Cassie Campbell's going to join us later in the show. Uh, talk to her. Top of mind, the Women's World Championships uh, was announced today that it's going to be held in Brampton, Ontario in April this year. Cassie obviously is in Calgary now, but grew up over there. She has an arena in the city of Brampton named after her. It's the Cassie Campbell Community Center. We'll talk about the tournament um, and a little bit on the news that was announced on Monday. So uh, for people who aren't aware, because we didn't get to talk about it on the show, we don't have a show on Monday. Uh, but Cassie is one of the nine candidates to fill out the vacant board of director seats at Hockey Canada. Hockey Canada's previous board stepped down in October as part of the fallout from the Federation's handling of sexual assault allegations uh, when it comes to the 2018 World Junior Championship team in the gala that happened in the summer after that. Uh, Cassie currently sits on the board of Hockey Canada's foundation and obviously had a very long and successful career with the women's national team, was captain, won a couple gold medals here and there, and uh, now she does a lot of work on Sportsnet, ESPN as an analyst and a host. So we'll get into some stuff around the league too. So lots to get into with Cassie Campbell later in the show. But again, right now, Logan, I've got to ask you about that game last night. Markstrom lets in two goals in the first three shots. Kind of looks like, oh gosh, this is going to be one of those games. Flames tied up 2-2. Obviously, ends up being 3-3. Usually with the Flames, three's kind of been their number. Their record when they're scoring three or more goals in a game is 13-2-4. So they didn't drop this game. Again, they get the point, uh, but they don't win. (laughs) Overtime solves nothing. (laughs) Losing the shootout. Logan, what did you think of the game last night from the Flames against the Vancouver Canucks? Yeah, it was kind of a combination of what both teams have been known for this year. The Flames kind of have this reputation for slow starts and maybe getting behind in games a little bit more often than they'd like. And the Canucks have a history uh, of blowing leads. It's usually in the third period, but uh, this time it was in the first period. And both of those happened last night. And 
Uh, I don't think either team played a, a particularly good defensive game last night, but I think they they tightened it up from what was a pretty back and forth first period. It's just kind of been the same old story for the Flames all year, even when they get three, like you mentioned, and they have that that sterling record. It still feels like you leave last night, Haley, wishing that they just had that one extra goal and it would have made all the difference if it had come, say, after Trevor Lewis gave them a 3-2 lead. If they were just able to find that one extra goal and give themselves a two-goal gap, they probably mm-hmm. could have cruised away with it last night and taken home the two points. Right. So I think one of the things that I've noticed recently, like zooming out on just that game last night and looking at some of the overall trends, again, because we are at the 30-game mark for the Flames. You know, we're, a little, we're over the quarter mark now, kind of at the third mark of the season. Things are, you know, we're trekking towards getting to 40 games halfway point um and i'm not quite sure if we can say exactly what this team is yet Um, maybe we can maybe we can say that they're a jekyll and hyde uh up and down inconsistent hockey team i mean we were talking about that with the vancouver canucks yesterday that's a kind of boomer bust hockey team i don't think the flames are at that point i think uh, the Calgary should be a better team than I think the the standings and their record would show. But again, we're we're starting to get into it now, and and I think you look at last night as another one of those games where you're not getting everything going right at the same time. You know, like we were talking the other day about Jacob Markstrom. He has a great game and he can't get any run support. You know, Markstrom makes 37 saves on 38 shots or it was 38 on 39 and and he gets one goal and run support. Well, you know, last night he gets three goals and one run support, but he lets in three as well. And then it ends up going to the shootout and they only get one point out of it. Like the, the run support and the top end goaltending aren't necessarily coming at the same time. So you're kind of having... You know, this isn't just a team with one issue with a quick fix, it looks like right now. And I think one of the other problems is it's a mix of that goaltending and specifically five on five production issues. So I was looking through and and Darren Haynes had a pretty good tweet about this today as well. In these four winless games, again, Flames now winless in four, they've had six goals at five on five in those four games. Uh, Can you just wager a guess as to who is leading the flames in five on five goals scored in these last, this last little stretch? Like who's, who's their top five on five producer? Uh, Is it our friend, Trevor Lewis? It is our, our friend and pal, Trevor Lewis (laughs) with two goals at five on five. Seems less than ideal as much as we like Trevor Lewis around here. Oh, and he's great, and I I, um, I don't remember who it was. I saw a great uh, quote on the, the graphic from the Sportsnet 960. Uh, I think it was the Instagram page of somebody talking about Trevor Lewis and what he brings to the table. He's a good leader. He's a good player. I think he does have some underrated qualities to him. And then you consider the fact that he's making, what, $700,000 a year? I have no problems with Trevor Lewis whatsoever. And, yeah, he's he's your <laughs> best five-on-five goal scorer in these last uh, – Four games. It's a very small sample size. I know that. You don't need to tell me that if you're you're firing up the text to nine sixty nine sixty. Join in the conversation if you want, but you don't have to tell me it's a small sample size. We know that. It just seems like there's a couple couple problems, couple things. It's not just like one quick fix. It's not like if the Flames can figure this one thing out, then things are going to be all all great. It's been different things at different points throughout this uh, to this point in the season, has it not? Yeah, it kind of has been. It feels like at times it's. It's been, we've questioned the goaltending, which, by the way, was something that Dylan Dubé and others weren't keen to to have the conversation about anymore last night. But uh, at times it was the power play wasn't going well. And five on five scoring has kind of been, it feels like a constant thread really outside of the first five or seven games of the season. It's just been really up and down for the entirety of these 30 games. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's hockey sometimes. Like we're not trying to suggest that the Flames should be perfect through 30 games and there should be uh you know, there shouldn't be any problems and oh my gosh, this is terrible. Uh but yeah, it's been a little bit more than just one thing. Okay, the last one I got to get to you, Logan, before we chat with Kelly. And I'm sure Kelly's listening right now cuz he's great. <laughs> and I think I just got in the air that that he's here. So we can ask Kelly this once once we bring him on. So I saw this Sportico article today. That states the NHL is considering overhauling its schedule. Team owners and executives are discussing ways to create more games between geographic rivals. Okay, I'm not sure if this is true. It's just been Sportico. We didn't hear this out of the Board of Governors meetings. I haven't seen someone like Elliot Friedman or Jeff Merrick, any of the Sportsnet insiders, confirm this 
information, but we've talked a lot this season about, uh, hey, there's no more Calgary Edmonton games in 2023 until the playoffs. And it's silly. I think having eight, like this article suggests, is probably too much. I think that's leaning a little too far towards the, uh, you know, North Division where there was 10 games and the fun just kind of got sucked out of it. Um, but three is too little. Personally, I think six is the sweet spot. Like, what do you think of this? Like, how do we feel about having more rivalry games? Because I don't care about the Flames playing the Philadelphia Flyers or Columbus Blue Jackets two times a season. I don't care. Give me more games that I personally care about selfishly and that the fans want to see. Like, who who needs – I mean, Columbus is a bit different now that Johnny Gaudreau's there, I guess. But you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I, I still <laughs> – The random Eastern Conference team that most people don't care about. Yeah, the one the, – this is the one year that it's a fair – Exception yeah, to the conversation. Not, yeah. Uh, <laughs> look, I'll be honest. I'm kind of in the middle on this one because I'm somebody that does look forward to the once a year conversation of, hey, Alex Ovechkin is coming to town or Sidney Crosby is coming to town or whoever the, the Those hot, aren't you know, obscure Eastern Conference team. <laughs> no, though, even Buffalo is like, oh, Tage Thompson's is yeah. coming. So I like the home and away thing that they do. And I think given an 82 game schedule, I still think you have time to, or you still have enough games to make it work so that you have a chance to visit and go to every NHL city and see everybody in your home building once, but still see the Oilers more than three times a season. I'm 100% with you on that. That doesn't make any sense to me, given especially all of the hype after what was their first playoff meeting in forever last year. And for it to just sort of spiral away so quickly this season never really made sense to me. And you'd think the NHL would want more of that and not less of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let's let's bring on our guest to the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. It's Kelly Rudy. He's an analyst for Sportsnet. You know him well from Flames on Sportsnet. He was on the call last night with Rick Ball. We'll get into that game in a second. But Kelly, how do you feel about having more rivalry games? And maybe, well, you know. Sure. So thanks for uh, inviting me on, Haley and Logan. I was listening to your conversation, and I, I'll say that I'm in agreement. Now, what that number looks like, I just don't know. You know, I think yeah. that, um, right, you know, we had it in the past where the NHL thought that they'd build up those rivalries, and I can't remember, but with Sidney Crosby with not coming here, and I think an injury concern or lockout or whatever it may have been, he hadn't been here for and I don't know, remember, I don't remember the number, but four or five years, something like mm-hmm. that. And yeah. I think that's I think not my right first for... season, mm-hmm. my first season in Calgary, it was last year, actually, it was the first time that fans were in the building to see Sidney Crosby since like right. 2019 or something like that. Something wild yeah. based on the schedule and the injuries. I think I remember how many Crosby jerseys were here and everyone's like, yeah, nobody's seen him here in years. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's not right. Like we should have the ability for our, or for our fans to have the, the chance to see the superstars of the game. Uh, and, and so I think that does include when people or teams like Columbus uh, come, you know, there are fans that uh, clearly would like to see certain players on Columbus or whatever franchise you're talking about. So yeah. I don't know what that number is. You know, so Haley, mm-hmm. when I played in the Patrick division with the Islanders, we, there were certainly, well, there are less teams. So it was easier to fit in more rivalry games, right? So, and then when I went to the Smythe in particular, I remember, uh, I think we played everybody in the Smythe eight or nine times. And so it was, it was grateful rivalries. I, I'm not sure if the fans loved it as much as we did. You know, I mean, when I was in LA, the fans would get to see Pavel Bure, what, four times a year at least. And, and, and that mm-hmm. was a benefit. Our fans loved it. And, uh, you know, you're seeing one of the most dynamic players to ever lace on the skate. So, there's pros and cons, and I don't know exa- exactly what that number is, like I said, but I do think that rivalries are great, and w- the Flames and the Oilers do not play often enough. No. Three games this season and none in 2023 until the potential playoff meeting is not enough. It's not great. But I'm, I'm with you. Like I, I'm with you and Logan. I think – you know, having Crosby and Ovechkin, there's a, a draw there. I think there just needs mm-hmm. to be a sweet spot between – three games and eight games, you know, eight games between the flames and Oilers is probably too many. It probably sucks a little bit of the juice out. And then it takes away from some of those games as you guys were talking about. So there's gotta be some kind of middle ground there. 
that makes yeah. things things work out for everybody. So and we'll it see would if be this impossible in today's league. <laughs> yeah, it'd be impossible in today's league with 32 teams to yeah. fit in, you know, that many games. I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I've never really looked that closely at the schedule. But when I played, I think when I left the league, there might have been 27 teams. So, right. you know, you can understand how it would be easier to fit in more rivalry games. Yeah, you'd have to imagine how many opponents, like you would think that the Flames would just end up rotating certain opponents every year, right? So you would end up in that mm-hmm. situation where, you know, next season, because you're playing the Oilers eight times, you're not playing against Pittsburgh or Washington or Philly. Like you're just taking out a trip onto the Metro division or something like that. And then you'll see them in the next year. So I think that would probably be, you know, a disservice or not great for the fans either. Yes, um, so we'll absolutely. See. Yeah. The, that's, the that's schedule is it. so complicated. <laughs> oh my gosh. When I was exclusively at hockey night in Canada, a number of years ago, we had a we always had a seminar in uh, September, and mm-hmm. uh, I've forgotten the gentleman's name, but the the guy that makes the schedule for the entire league, he came in and spoke to us. He, he presented to us for an hour or two about his challenges and going through that whole process. And I think all of us in that room, including a lot of us that had been around the NHL for a long, long time, had no idea how difficult that was and. When all the teams submit potential home dates, how that, you know, it, 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 everything is affected by what the teams submit for potential home games. And it was just oh, yeah. fascinating to see this man speak to us about, you know, this ever-changing uh, schedule and how difficult it was. You know, I, I'm thinking now, you know, we're having this casual conversation. This person must be thinking, do they have any clue how difficult this is trying yeah. to fit in all the games? And when you look at a franchise like the Flames, you know, you have the Hitmen, you have the Wranglers, the Flames, you have the Roughnecks, you have concerts. So this is no small task to try and figure this out. No, gosh, no. Like, this is one of the things where it's like, yeah, this is fun radio fodder. And this is a fun thing right. for people to do on Twitter today. Uh, and I totally. believe his name is Steve, the, the scheduling guru. He's the executive yeah. vice president of scheduling and broadcast business. His first name is Steve. And I don't recall his last name. So I do apologize. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is not like a fun thing. <laughs> for no. Steve in the NHL office. Because I know a big thing, especially for American teams, is they kind of like to backload their home schedule if they have a big NFL market like a lot of those teams like the Buffalo Sabres I don't think they're a team that's really hoping to have a lot of Sunday afternoon home games or anything like that with the Bills so there's just like think of all the considerations that are top of your mind and there's probably 10 more when it comes to actually building out the schedule so it's fun radio fodder but I'm sure Steve's not having a great time. (laughs) Haley I remember when I was uh, playing in LA and we played out of the Great Western Forum, and it was, okay. by all standards, a, a mediocre building, um, hence the, the Staples Center, now the Crypto.com. But uh, I remember speaking to some of the people that ran that uh, Great Western Forum, and so there was the Lakers playing there, we were playing there, there was Friday night boxing, uh, uh, seemed like thousands of concerts a year because of L.A., and I, I believe that right. gentleman said out of 365 Days in a year, they had events 345 or something like that. It was just, it was incredible. Like they only had like wow. 20 dark nights. And I'm thinking, how in the world Those would arena staffers. These people schedule it, right? <laughs> yeah, that's wild. That I, wild, I think right? I'm organized. You know, I've got my color coded calendars, <laughs> I've got my whiteboard, <laughs> my, oh my iPad. Gosh, <laughs> There's nothing. I would never, I would just crumble if I had to do that. So it's not for me, but kudos to everyone in the scheduling team. They have a very intense yeah. and difficult job. Uh, moving on to the Flames, though. Uh, last night, you were on the call with, uh, with Rick yep. Ball. Flames lose to the Vancouver Canucks four to three in a shootout. They're winless in their last four. I mean, what have you? What what do you kind of make of this last stretch for the Calgary Flames? And I guess more specifically, looking at last night against a Vancouver team that's been, uh, you know, wildly inconsistent to start yeah. the season. Wouldn't you say that about most teams? There's like yeah. maybe six yeah. or eight good teams, and everybody else is wildly inconsistent, including the, the mushy Flames, so. middle. The mushy middle yeah. this year is even bigger than I think it usually is, and the Flames are right there, right there with the yeah. Canucks. I mean, they're not yeah. that far off. Canucks are probably no a 500 idea. hockey team now, and everyone's just kind of right, right in there together. 
I have no idea um, right now uh, talking to you today what this team will be. Uh, I have an idea moving forward, you know, some dates that it sort of, you know, how I kind of live my life when I think we should get a clearer picture. Al Arbor, Mm -hmm. one of the all-time greatest coaches, and I was fortunate, Haley and Logan, to have Al as my first ever NHL coach. I mean, what a a gift that was. But uh, he always – or he he told me after I had retired, he never told me during my playing days with him – that he always would take three months to reevaluate every single player. And keep in mind that those were great teams. Like five times they went to the Stanley cup finals. They won four times consecutively. And he, Al said he had no idea what his players, how, what kind of mindset they would come back in, in September after winning a cup, because everybody's a little bit different. Some guys take it a little bit more seriously. Some guys maybe didn't train as hard. Some guys were even better. And so that's kind of where I am with not only the Flames, but a lot of teams. That will be three months in January, and I think we'll start to get a clearer picture about what this team might be. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that's a, a real good template sort of look at a lot of teams. They're, they're building towards something. Um, you know, with all the changes that they have for the Flames, uh, there was a study done by an NHL team a few years ago, and uh, their conclusion was... Uh, it takes usually about six months for a player that moves, whether through free agency or trade or what uh, way he may move uh, waivers to really get comfortable in that city. And so we're only three months into it or not even uh, two months actually. And so you have to be patient with some of these players and how, how they'll find, if they'll find their game and all these things. And so Mm -hmm. I, I found that really uh, to be really an interesting study because I think that all of us think that, okay, the player's going to move. He's automatically going to be the brilliant player he once was. And and that's yeah. not what you always get. Uh, and so you have to sort of keep that in mind as well. Yeah, definitely. I think that was one of the big things. I, I You know, I didn't – I mean, I realize it because you're tracking and you're looking at the standings, but we're at game number 30 now. And I think yeah. I was looking at it and saying, you know, we're at the 30-game mark – with, for the Flames at least, and I don't know what this team as currently yeah. constructed is, right? I have my personal idea on mm-hmm. how they look on paper. I see the potential that they still have. Uh, you see the issues that they've had, and then you see all the different considerations that go into it too, right? You think if Markstrom starts to kind of gain his form, what they can look like, and if Huberto starts to do this, what they could look like, and you got all these little pieces of the puzzle together of what they could be, but as of right now, it, they're kind of just – you know, and uh, maybe an unfinished product. And I don't know if that's unfair to say. Um, it's not the the fun answer. I'm sure that's not the answer fans want to hear after seeing mm-hmm. an offseason with so much change and so much excitement, I would say, yeah. and expectation around this team, especially when you consider they've kind of locked themselves into a window here to try to get something done, to try to contend with, with some older, bigger contracts on the books. Probably isn't how people wanted it to start, but unfortunately, I think the answer right now is just well, it's probably going to take a little bit more time than we wanted. Yeah, and and I think we also have to look league wide and say it's never been more difficult to win in this game, right? I mean, you look at I go back to a road trip that uh, I was on with John Bartlett when Rick was away with his illness, and uh, John and I did three games in four nights, and we did. Uh, uh, New York Islanders, New Jersey, and Boston. And I thought the effort that the Flames had on those uh, on that little trip was just tremendous. I mean, every game, they, they played their hearts out. They, they were excellent. They came home from that three-game trip with one point. And so you have to look at the other teams as going, you know, these are also fantastic teams. And if, if, if you put in that same work ethic and you get – uh, great goaltending, and you get some scoring, you have a chance to win. It doesn't guarantee you a point or a win, but it gives you a chance. And, and I mean, yeah, I, I'm just so astonished by this league, how difficult it is. And as you said, a lot of, or we said, a lot of mediocre teams. It's, you know, you look at your team and you wonder why they're two games under 500 because it's a hard league to win in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as you said before, I think you look how many really good teams, like how many teams are we okay saying right now, like these are these are our Stanley Cup contenders, right? It's probably Colorado, 
Um, I'm sure maybe people have Tampa in there because they have the track record and the pedigree. I mean, you even look at some of the teams who have been really good. There's still people who don't believe in the Devils. People don't believe in the Kraken yet. People don't believe in the Kings. Look at how many teams are technically in the playoff picture right now. And people are like, "Eh, I don't know. This has been a weird year. I don't know how I feel about you yet. Let's wait until the halfway point or something like that. It's been been an interesting. I think it keeps it fun, though, because think of last season. And how yeah. many, how much, specifically in the Eastern Conference, I mean, <laughs> the end of the year was quite boring in the East because everything was just kind of locked up already, you know? It was just like, all right, who's going to get, who's going to play against who? But the the playoff picture was was set very, very quickly in the Eastern Conference. So this is a bit more chaotic, which I enjoy. <laughs> it's more chaotic, but don't we still have some of the same thoughts? Like, we knew the Leafs would, even though they had a slow start like they're prone to have, we knew they were going to be a great team, right? And so the regular season, you look at it now and it's kind of like ho-hum. I know they're great. I know they're going to finish strong. But the only question I have for the Leafs will be, can they do anything in the, in the playoffs? I mean, mm-hmm. if they were going to do something, last year was a great example because I thought Tampa in the first round in particular and even the second round, Tampa, they were beatable, very beatable. And mm-hmm. the Leafs had them on the ropes and uh, they couldn't finish the job. So that, those are the questions. And, and my point bringing up the least is that you look at a lot of different teams, and as you said, some teams with good records, but we still have our doubts. We're just unsure. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to ask you about Jacob Markstrom. Uh, it seemed like he was kind of returning to form after two solid starts against Columbus and Montreal. He lets in two goals on the first three shots last night, locked it down more as the yeah. game went on. Um, how would you evaluate his performance as of late uh he's battling uh i Mm -hmm. i really noticed his body language in columbus and montreal to be very similar to last year like he was so dialed in he didn't look as though things were bothering him or annoying him you know i i felt maybe to a certain degree this year uh he was chatting with the officials uh uh too much and by chatting i mean uh giving them the business like not not chatting like, hey, how are you? Good to see you again, which goaltenders are are uh, famous for to try and get the, the referee in the good books. But yeah. uh, he was giving it to him, giving it to most of them every game, it seemed, for whether it was bad penalties and so on. I didn't notice that as much for Columbus and for Montreal. Mm-hmm. Last night, you know, you look at it and you know, gave up two early ones. Uh, not necessarily bad goals, um, but... You know, there's travel involved. There's lots of things. Here's one thing that I wanted to mention to all the listeners. I know for a fact that nobody really cares and nobody finds excuses for the players. But uh, I found this time of year to be the most difficult because I was uh, focused on family. I was focused on the holidays, trying to get things done. I'm thinking about this team. They just came home from a uh, road trip. Then they have two off days at home, trying to get things done for the holidays, buying gifts, all those sorts of things. Then they go on a, a road trip before Christmas. They're gone for four games, six nights, I think it is. And so there's no, no time to do any family things. Uh, and so, you know, you put in the human part of it and you go, okay, well, it might be a little bit harder to focus. I, I mean, I was terrible on Boxing Day. I don't know how many times... I got pulled or should have been pulled on Boxing Day <laughs> okay. just because I enjoyed the holidays so much and the time sure. with my family, and hockey wasn't really a priority. So that's that's the realness of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's always a human element to, to these kind of things, right? And I know that this was one of the other things I wanted to ask you too, Kelly. I mean, we heard from Markstrom, what, a week, or two, week ago, 10 days ago, mm-hmm. uh, him saying, you know, I suck at hockey right now. I need to be better. <laughs> I mean, I, and that's, you know, we know that Markstrom, you know, demands a certain level from himself, right? He's always yeah. the first one to say if he's not good enough or if a goal, you know, we don't have to be the ones to say like, oh, he's going to want that back because he's probably going to say it before we have a chance to do it right but how difficult can it be for a goalie particularly someone like of Markstrom's caliber to go through those kind of bad stretches you know mentally because that seems to be such a big part of of the position we know that Markstrom has the pedigree and he's excellent athletically and he's got the physical toolkit and he's when he's dialed in he he reads the puck and he reads the play so well so how difficult mentally can it be to shift out of that kind of mindset of oh my gosh I, I suck at hockey right now 
Well, when you think of a guy like Markstrom, because he's been playing at an elite level for a number of years now, going back to his days in Vancouver, uh, when he really found his game. Uh, when can you think that the last time maybe that he felt that he was the the weak link or part of the problem instead part of the solution, right? So, yeah, uh, and that, that grinds on you. So I have a bit of an example. I won't share too much, but sure. uh, I happen to be on one of the Flames charters this year. Uh, it was after the New Jersey loss, and uh, Markstrom led in. Not a great goal uh, for the game-winning one. And he and I were chatting on the plane. And uh, he was talking about, you know, I, I've got to make the timely save. It wasn't about the, the quantity of saves or, and these sorts of things. It was just a timely save. And I said, you know, Jacob, that has been the thing about goaltending for 100 years. And for the next 200 years, it'll be the exact same comment. It, it's not always how many goals you let in or the quality or the quantity that you're facing of shots. It's the timely saves. And, and so he and I had that conversation. So, but that's kind of like a window into what he's thinking, right? He's, he recognized it, and it bothers him, concerns him. And so every little thing like that moving forward, you, you can tell because he has such high standards for himself that he would go home and think about that because mm-hmm. all good people do. You know? Although oh, yeah. I have a story to share with you. Um, okay. And, and it was, it, it's one about how I viewed the game and how hard I was on myself, which was a quality, one of the reasons why I made it to the NHL, but also one thing that I think I could have done better. So we played at home. I was with the Islanders at this time. And the next night we had a game in New Jersey. So right after the game at home, we get on the bus and we're going to go to Jersey. And I didn't play as well as I thought I should have that night. And so I'm on the bus and I'm just grinding away. I'm just, just being so mean to myself about my game and how I played that night. And I see one of our uh, great defensemen, used to be a Calgary Flame, Steve Conroy, get on the bus. He gets okay. on the bus, sits in a seat, opens his uh, travel bag, pulls out a novel and starts reading as though he had no cares in the world. And immediately my thought was, that jerk, like, why doesn't he care as much as I do? And sure. then my second thought, and the more realistic and, and the better way, I was like, man, am I ever envious? Wouldn't that be a mm-hmm. nice place to be where you could turn off your brain, not beat yourself up and, and play great the next day. And Steve always did. And so mm-hmm. that was, that's kind of my point about uh, Markstrom or all these players are, they're, they're so good, but there has to be a point which you turn it off and it's so difficult to do. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a thing for whatever job we want to talk about. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I think I, I look at myself, if I like write a story, I'm like, ah, oh, that story wasn't very mm-hmm. good. And then the next day I'm thinking about, God, that story sucks. And I'm writing the next one. <laughs> I need to make sure this one is so much better to make up for the last one. I mean, you could figure whatever people are doing. I mean, that's something that's, you know, universally yeah. relatable. Obviously it's different. Yeah. Not, I'm not an NHL goalie. I haven't played yeah. a single NHL game in net. I don't think <laughs> I've ever put on pads before. Uh, so it's totally different, but it's a relatable thing for sure. So yeah. thanks yeah. for the time, Kelly. Yeah. And thank you for sharing the stories. I think it's important insight. You know, this is why I like bringing you on because you can, uh, you come from it from a different angle. And I think that's very valuable instead of us just looking at, you know, his save percentage or goals against right. whatever it is. I think having different, uh, you know, looking at things differently is super valuable and, and your insights always well appreciated. Cool. I appreciate that. Bye, Haley and Logan, and I'll talk to you guys soon. If we don't talk, have a great holiday season, and uh, I'll see you around the rink sometime. All right. Thanks, Kelly. Okay. There goes, uh, there goes Kelly Rudy, analyst for Sportsnet. You know him well from the Flames on Sportsnet broadcast, typically on the call with Rick Ball like they were last night. That chat was brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Come on in and enjoy hockey and football. Game day specials at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Pickup and delivery also available at Atlas Pizza at 403-248-3344. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Cassie Campbell-Pascal. Uh, take a look around the league, talk a bit about the uh, Women's World Hockey Championships taking part in uh, Brampton in April of this year. That's coming up next on Hockey Central on Sports at 960 The Fan. You're listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back to the program. It was a pleasure, as always, to chat with Kelly Rudy. I mean it. I think it's nice to have his perspective sometimes. We get so into the the numbers and the underlyings and what our eye test is seeing. It's nice to hear from someone who's been there, done that. 
in that position specifically when we're looking at Jacob Markstrom. Get a little human element in there. It's nice, and Kelly's great. Uh, our next guest is also awesome. Let's go back to the Atlas Pizza guest hotline because we have Cassie Campbell Pascal on the line. This is the first time on the show. This, thank you so much. I'm so excited to have you. Well, thanks for having me, and congrats on the show. I think I've texted you that, but I haven't officially said it live. So, <laughs> well, well done, my thank friend. You. Oh, no, thank you. I'm glad to have you. Obviously, uh, Cassie, I didn't even do my introduction. I feel like you don't need one, but Cassie Campbell, former captain of Team Canada. Uh, what else do you do? My goodness, you're on Sportsnet, you're on ESPN, you're on different boards. You're a very busy person, so I appreciate you making the time to come on this. So the yeah, no, no worries. Because it's like, I can't list everything. I don't have enough time. I don't need an so, intro. It's okay. It's all good. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so, I mean, I wanted to bring you on, Cassie, because obviously there's a lot of stuff going on. The The top of mind one right now for me is this morning, the Women's World Championships. It's announced that it's being held in Brampton this April. It's the first time that this tournament's going to be in Canada with fans since 2016 in Kamloops. I mean, you've you played for Team Canada. You've played on home so soil before, I believe. I mean, how special is it to be able to play for a gold medal in Canada? And I guess the second part of this question is, are we going to get a, a Cassie Campbell appearance at the Cassie Campbell <laughs> Community Center in Brampton, Ontario? <laughs> well, geez, I leave it to my hometown of Brampton to step up, you know, when the women's yeah. world needs it most. It's... Uh, it's been a little uh, disarray, if you will. It was supposed to be in Ottawa, and then the dates got changed. And then when they went to change the dates back, Ottawa had already given the, the building to a different event. So my hometown has stepped up, and it's awesome, and it's such a huge girls' hockey town. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, I played for the Brampton Canadettes, and it was the biggest girls' hockey association in the world at the time, and it's just gotten bigger and better. And um, you know, it's exciting to play in Canada in front of fans. You know, for women's hockey, it's not always the case where you're filling buildings. So any time you get an opportunity to play in front of a, a full building, um, you know, whether it's at the Rivalry Series or at a World Championships in Canada, you know, I remember my first one was in Kitchener, Ontario, 97, where we played in front of a sold-out crowd. And it, it was overwhelming. It was exciting. And it was a, a World Championship I'll never forget. You know, we beat the United States in overtime. And um, yeah, it's it's just exciting to, to be able to play in front of a full building and to play for your country. It's just sort of a a really, really, really fun thing. Mm -hmm. I think the last time the World Championships was in Ottawa, the record was set for the most fans uh, at a game in Canada. And I think that game, Carolyn Ouellette set a personal record and it was in front of like a sold-out building in Ottawa. And then obviously a couple of weeks ago, they set a new record on U.S. soil for the most fans in a building for a, a national team game on U.S. soil. So it seems like things are trending in the right direction with, with a ton of skill and talent and just superstars in the women's hockey space right now. Obviously, Mary-Philippe Poulin getting the Canadian Athlete of the Year, surprisingly the first female hockey player to ever win that award, too. So things seem like they're, they're going in the right direction all leading into this tournament. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think there's so many great things that have happened in the women's game, and, and there's some things that we're still struggling to, to make a difference in, but I feel like we'll get there. And, um, you know, you look at the rivalry series, and they're supported by the NHL, right? And so uh, they're they're packed pretty much, you know, not quite sold-out buildings, but right there and almost. And, you know, when you have that infrastructure to support you, you know, usually good things are going to happen. So, um, it's just great to see the, the crowds continue to show up. You know, the Canada-USA rivalry, it sometimes gets criticized. Oh, there's only two teams in women's hockey. But that rivalry, I think, has, is one of the strongest rivalries in sports, the biggest rivalry in sports. And it's carried our sport for a long, long time. And it's carried the growth of our sport. And, um, you know, as we continue to see parity from nations, you know, three to ten, you know, around the rest of the world, you know, and we're getting better, better in that sense, you know, really it is that rivalry that's carried our sport that continues to build momentum and continues to be the game, the games that, you know, people want to watch. 
Mm -hmm, absolutely. And I think you've got one and two who've separated themselves in the pack. We know that, but you know, the last world championships is, is proof that, you know, the teams that are three through six, seven, they're all still in a fight. I mean, Finland finishes six, Czechia gets a, a bronze medal, their best finish. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of fight and France is going to be at this next world championship after getting, um, you know, moving up division. So there's gonna be a lot to, lot to watch that's coming in April. Obviously we have a ton of time to continue talking about that as it gets closer. Um, one other piece of news I wanted to ask you about Cassie on Monday morning, it was announced that you are one of the candidates to fill one of the nine vacant board of director seats with hockey Canada. I, I know that you can't say much as the vote to accept or reject the slate is on Saturday. Um, but kind of leading into that, into the weekend, I mean, how does it, you know, how do you feel about being one of these nine new candidates and, and why is this something that is important for you to be a part of? Well, I think for me, you just look at the list of people and what they've done and what they've accomplished, you know, not maybe necessarily within the sport of hockey, but in their own world and uh, their own expertise. And, um, you know, I, it, it's an incredible group to be, you know, even have my name associated with them. I, I definitely feel like, Haley, I need to start reading a lot more books, you know, when you look at that group of people <laughs> yeah. and, and how intelligent they are. But, um you know, this isn't something I took lightly. You know, I think uh, I can't really say much because we're not officially, officially in. There has to be a vote on Saturday. The membership have to agree that, that, you know, they feel that we're the nine that can move things forward. But, you know, I didn't take this lightly. It was a whole process. I had to go through the same nomination process as everybody else. You know, you had to submit a resume and you had to go through an interview. And I think there was about 550 or so candidates. And, you know, I knew that if I got accepted, I'd have to give up a lot, too, because I'd need more time. And I'd also, right. you want to eliminate any conflicts of interest. So the women's program for me is, is one that will be tough for me to leave. I've been there about three and a half, four years now. And I've loved every minute of it and watched it grow and change and get back to our winning ways. And um, But, you know, there's things I'm going to have to take off my plate. And so I really thought hard about putting my name forward. And I think... You know, for those of us who've been around Hockey Canada for a long, long time, we know that there's a lot of good things that are done there. And I've known a lot of the people that unfortunately were involved in, in this whole gut-wrenching experience. And so it was gut-wrenching, you know, from being a former player to being with our women's team and everything that was going on. And I just finally decided, you know what, I, I want to be part of the solution. And if if the powers that be feel that I can be part of it and help, then, then I want to do that. And so if we get voted in on Saturday, I'll be there for a year term and then we'll see what happens. And, and I'm just looking forward to really getting a chance to hopefully meet this group of great people and, and get to work and, and start, you know, bringing Hockey Canada back to the standard that I've seen it be at in previous years and, and you know, this throughout the country and the trust back across the country. Mm -hmm. I know the the women's program made a statement back in October about, you know, wanting to have a seat at the table and having more representation from the women's national program. I know it'll be difficult for you to step away. But, you know, when I asked a bunch of the players, you know, who's top of mind? Like, who do you want to represent the women's national team in, in your culture and what you stand for on the board? And and your name was brought up many, many times. So I'm sure it'll be hard for them to to lose you. But I know that there's a lot of players who thought that you were the exact person they want to kind of represent them in this space with Hockey Canada. So I know you can't say a whole lot because the vote is on Saturday, but we will be watching for for that news and that update there this weekend. Uh, moving on to, to the NHL, because obviously you do some stuff with Sportsnet. You're an analyst with ESPN. You've got the Minnesota-Chicago game. Uh, on Friday night. So that's something coming up tomorrow. I was watching the wild against Detroit last night, and I wanted to get your take on, on the play of the wild recently and that Ryan Reeves hit on Philip Roenick. I know that's been a big talker. It doesn't look like there's going to be any hearing. There's going to be no discipline. There was no penalty on that play. Uh, what did you think watching the wild and, and Ryan Reeves and I guess what he's just been bringing to the table lately, too, in terms of his physical presence, excuse me, for Minnesota. Yeah, and just, you know, from a leadership perspective, too, he's playing with two young guys and Mason Shaw and Connor Dewar and allowing them to feel a little bit more comfortable out there. And, um, you know, 
I have to say, I think the hit was clean. I do have to say, I feel like hitting or hits like that are starting to come back in our game. Uh, and I'm definitely not going to say I dislike them, but I'm curious as to, you know, when we start seeing more of those hits again, you know, you think of the, the Rasmus Dahlin one on Nieto, uh, you know, there's been a couple of big hits, Luke Shen on Slavkovsky. Mm-hmm. I feel like in the last, you know, two, three weeks, we've just seen so much many more big hits than what we've used to seeing. You know, those were kind of sort of gone from the game. And I'm just curious, when you see one like that and you see the result, I think it was a clean hit, but you wonder, you know, if we're going to protect the players moving forward, which seems to be the trend in the National Hockey League, which I think is a good trend. You know, I, I'm curious to know or feel how long that hit will be clean moving forward, regardless of yeah. what what point of, of Reeves' body hits the head. The fact is he does hit the head. And, yeah. Um, I, I thought it was clean. I really did based on what the rules are today, but I'm just curious how this will open the conversation again to mm-hmm. look at players. And, and I know Ronick looked back to his left, and, you know, I saw the whole thing, but... I I just know that this is something the NHL is going to look at very seriously about how to eliminate these hits because they're starting to creep back in the game. And those big hits that we've seen, you know, 10, 15 years ago, um, you know, we're starting to talk about them a lot more now. Yeah, I think, you know, there's no penalty assessed. And I think this was kind of one that was considered to be unavoidable head contact when it's kind of reviewed and looked at because you're looking at Ronick and he has his head turned and he's skating up the middle of the ice kind of leaning leaning forward, leading with the head. So it's kind of tough for Ryan Reeves, who's already, you know, locked eye contact, as he said, you know, what's he supposed to do? Just kind of stop. Um, So I think that's kind of the hard one because it's probably, you know, unavoidable head contact, but he still hit someone in the head. So we want the big hits and we want the big plays and we want to call the rule book, but we also probably want to protect players when it comes to concussions and brain injury and and all the long-term effects that comes from that so I'm with you I, I thought it was I thought it was clean when you watch it and, and you look at the way that Ronick was coming up and I think that the Red Wings coach too even said like he probably wants that one back you don't you don't look behind you and skate up ice like that um you just hope he's okay and, and we'll see the kind of how things change from this as you said. Yeah, and the speed of the game and how fast and fit these guys are and, and be, to take a hit of that nature at that speed. You know, yeah. we were talking on Rogers Monday Night Hockey just about rule changes, and one of the rule changes that, well, I brought it up, but we were talking about different things was to bring the red line back in and to slow the game down. You know, these sure. guys are so skilled that they could still sit, stick handle in a phone booth. So, you know, bringing yeah. sort of the zone, neutral zone back, maybe it slows the game down a little bit more in the sense of you're not going to have these long stretch passes and guys getting hit or, you know, so much space where a guy can sort of run and make a hit. Um, so we just kind of contemplated that uh, while we were talking and, and so many other things. But, you know, I, I think this will be one of those hits that will be discussed internally and, and see if they can – prevent them in the future even though I felt it was clean Mm -hmm. seems like you guys don't have any fun on Monday nights no no we uh (laughs) oh my gosh our text we have a text group and (laughs) I pretty much laugh every day someone sends a funny text whether it's Keith or Anson or our producer David Azuma or David Amber and we just have a lot of fun and we've connected right off the hop and it's great for me personally because I get my weekends off for the first time in like 30 years and <laughs> I'm enjoying spending time coaching my daughter's team and just being home for my family. So it's been a real perfect uh, situation for me personally, that's for sure. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, the, the show's been great and it seems like there's been some some really good Monday slates. Uh, this next coming Monday looks like it's going to be a pretty good one. Uh, there's a ton of games on the schedule. I mean, Panthers-Bruins looks like it's going to be a good one. Islanders-Avalanche is probably sneaky good. And hopefully Jack Eichel is healthy again to play against the Buffalo Sabres on Monday. So I'm jealous. I'm jealous of the text group and all the games you get to talk about on Monday night. Yeah, I think next Monday is our last one before Christmas. And then we have a bit of a break. And I think we have, yeah, Edmonton and Nashville. I had to double check. But we have uh, who are playing tonight, I believe, too. So, yes. um, yeah, and it's, it's just fun to do all the different games across the country, whether we had Montreal or I think we had Calgary last week, or this week, I guess, still. And, yeah, it's it's been a real fun transition, a fun show, and, and just something new that I think Sportsnet put together. And, uh, you know, Anson and Keith are just great, great guys, and, and we have a lot of fun behind the scenes. And 
Um, so I, I'm just, I feel fortunate to have been able to transition from Saturdays to Mondays and, and enjoy the, the flip. Yeah, it's great. We've got about 60 seconds left. So my last question for you, Cassie, in like one sentence, I guess, how would you describe, this is a tough one, I'm so sorry. How would you describe the Calgary Flames at the 30 game mark? You know, just stale. I, yeah. I just feel they haven't played their best in, in all facets of the game. You know, whether it's goaltending or they've had good goaltending and then everything else has been bad or they've had good defense and then the scoring hasn't been good. You know, I just find them to be stale and a bit stagnant. And I know for me personally, I'd love to see some completely different lines. You know, I'd love to see Coleman up with Lindholm and and, uh, Huberto. Um, You know, there's just some line changes that I'd really love to see because I just feel, you know, Daryl has really tried. And, you know, you you didn't see Huberto four and four the other night or last night which was sending a message and, you know, there's guys that definitely need to step up, but I, I do feel it's gotten really stale. And mm-hmm. I think your whole mix up of chemistry and lines could be, could be something. And then of course you miss Tanov, right? That's really going to hurt your back end and hopefully he's going to be okay, but they haven't played their best. They're right in the mix. And, um, but that's the best way I think I would just describe them. They've just been stale and, and haven't showed us even remotely what they're capable of. Yep, I'm with you. I think it's just been one thing that's been – like, hasn't just been one problem. It's been, well, this is an issue now, and now – oh, well, now it's okay, but this is an issue now, whether it's defense or goaltending or five-on-five production, power play. It's kind of a one thing after another and all at different times. So we'll see if they can turn it around. Thanks so much for the time, Cassie. All right. Cheers, Haley. Thanks for having me. No, thank you. There goes uh, Cassie Campbell-Pascal. You can watch her on Rogers Monday Night Hockey with our friend of the show, David Amber, with Keith Yandel, with Anson Carter. And uh, Cassie's also on ESPN. She'll be on that Minnesota-Chicago game on Friday night. That conversation was brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. You can dine in, pick up, or have your game day special delivered. Find out why Atlas Pizza is a 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner. 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast or call 403-248-3344. That is all the time we have today for Hockey Central. The Hockey PDO cast with Dmitry Filipovich is coming up next. And just a reminder that all of our hourly podcasts, including the PDO cast, including Sportsnet Today, Hockey Central. They're all available on demand, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back for another edition of Hockey Central tomorrow on Friday on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.